Hello? Joshua. Hello. Welcome. Hater. What's going on? So, this is going to be a weird start, but I... Is Joshua in Hebrew Yeshua? Uh, Yes, it's Yeshua or Yahushua. There's a couple different variations depending, you know, depending. And, And what is Jesus in Hebrew? Yeshua. It's the same. Jesus is Yeshua in Latin. So... Joshua so like my, is... my name my name would be Jesus in Latin. Okay. Okay. I'm I've been doing a lot of we're gonna go in a lot of strange directions today, I'm sure, but I feel like that was a good place to start off with because you Yeah. Uh yeah. how's your day okay. been? <laughs> uh my day's been okay. It's been a hectic day. How's your day been? Uh, honestly, I feel like I've gotten to talk to people who I really love for hours. And I hope that I can somehow get paid to podcast forever because this is amazing. I've just been, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Well, I've listened to, I don't know, three or four of your podcasts already. I think I'm in the middle of uh, the one with Eric. Dude, he um, is. I don't even know how he's a real person. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I just started him, so he, you know, no spoilers yet. Okay. Okay. No spoilers. <clears throat> but are you smoking drugs or drinking water? I, I am smoking drugs. Okay. <laughs> I, he's not smoking real drugs. That was a joke in case anyone. I feel like my sense of humor isn't clear yet because, but it's getting there. I feel like people know that we've very haphazardly spoken about like a lot of the one I just recorded. One of my friends who is 24 and has never murdered or killed anyone said murder and kill many times to the point where I was going to bring it up, but I didn't. But now I did. So now there was a mention but yeah, it was. I'm. I assume you are partaking in cannabis. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, it's not uh, currently. Okay. Uh, are also... and yeah, people often speak about things they really don't know about. You know, it's one of the bad habits of humanity. <laughs> yes. I'm glad, in, including us. I feel like that's like... Oh, me especially. Speak... Oh, totally. totally. Yeah, we're... I'm no different. I'm a human. Yeah, we're probably about to start a new religion in the next hour, so we'll see what <laughs> oh, happens. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've been realizing that a lot of people's jobs or things they've done in their life as a career don't define them in any way. But then for some people, the same job can can define them in a lot of ways. So I feel like a good place to start is like if you had to describe yourself as a noun, like a career noun of some type, what would you say the career you've done most is or that you identify with comfortably? 
uh does it have to be as a career uh no it doesn't if you if you want to identify any noun i guess any word like what would you say like joshua is a i would probably say i identify as a soldier um you know i served in the in the u.s army for a short period of time um I certainly identify as along those lines um, as a strategist. My job, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not officially my job yet. I'm currently in graduate school, but I'm going for uh, to be a behavior analyst. So it's about watching people and stuff. So I definitely, you know, I, I like that kind of thing. Um, a father for sure. Uh, husband, you know, basics. I mean, there's really not much to me, to be honest with you. You're, you know, um, I'm I'm a very simple, basic kind of guy, I guess. I don't know. Like, okay, I, I'm Fair. curious and excited to see where you're taking this because you're okay. You've set set me up to be some kind of well, whatever. I'm not sure. Okay, but... let's see. Let's see. <laughs> I'm really. So... I mean, I served in the army. I I. I I really, really, truly identified as a soldier deep down heart. Um, I still do, but I've pushed away from it and probably since COVID started. Um, but even, you know, I've, I've had this talk with a few people, but, you know, if I were to be like reincarnated or placed in any time in history, I would be a soldier in every single time period like without a doubt i would be a samurai if i was in medieval japan you know i'd serve in the, in the roman legions if i was living in rome you know like that would whatever i would that would have been my calling no matter what um i'm convinced of that i just i i feel that deep down to my bones um and then in sticking with that theme since we know that in all parallel timelines, you are a soldier, let's time travel. And since obviously we we're talking like we know each other very well, but for like anyone listening, we've actually only met one time, had a meal through our friend in common, Steve, who has also been on the show. Uh, or this is a show now. Yay. Um, Yay. But uh, self-identified. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, yes, this is a show. The, the money will follow. Look at that. Well, but we have to make sure Mammon doesn't follow because Mammon keeps trying to like kill me or convince me that I'm doing something noble and then financial abundance follows and then my body falls apart. So make sure if you see me being drug away by one of the princes of hell please just let me know that that money is ill-gotten please i will gladly take it from you i yes please do just I give can't. it to me i will gladly accept donations <laughs> this is like lord of the rings where someone's like oh i'll take the ring i, I got it i'll take it uh but okay so in kate let's say where we're just gonna talk this is only in in like the from the perspective of feelings and if you can't think of one or don't feel like sharing that's fine obviously i'm literally i'm asking this question because i want to know because <coughs> i'm very i'm surprised by you as i get to know you more and i'll explain why in a second 
but let's say when you were what is your earliest memory feeling wise feeling wise or even if you remember a person what is the feeling associated with I, that moment i remember front uh, man how old was i it was probably let's see i grew up and i was born in in rochester new york and lived there for five years and the picture was taken there so i was i had to be no later than five years old probably four um so my brother was like probably one or two and i remember standing in front of uh my family's christmas tree and posing for a as uh like a ninja turtle like we got like ninja turtle pajamas uh for christmas you know it must have been christmas morning or whatever but that was probably my earliest memory um like feeling something you know it's not too young i don't remember anything when i was three or you know anything like that okay um, and and what's the feeling associated with that moment were you hyped yeah, I was hyped, so felt like I wanted to beat up my brother. Is he older or younger? No, he's younger. I'm the oldest. You know, we got our pajamas. I wanted to, like, be a Ninja Turtle. Um, so, you know, we would fight each other or whatever. You know, just that kind of thing. So it was, like, fun. You know, I wasn't, like, really wanting to beat my brother up. You know, I was wanting to, like, I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle and fight and... That type of thing, like be a, actually, you know what I mean, like yeah, that type of thing. I, so yes, I I had many, I had turtle masks, so I fully I was immersed in the turtle. Yeah, world. I had the Ninja Turtle action figures. Yes, you know? dude. Did you? Okay, I have to shout out to my dad. I had the Technodrome, the the mm-hmm. sh- like Shredders thing. Yeah, and I had yeah. I had all the play sets, and I was very happy with that. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so that was your earliest memory. Now, how did you feel as a teenager in general, if I just asked you right now? Like, what feelings come up? Conflicted about what? Just, uh, you know, being a... I'm assuming, like, just a normal teenager, you know? Like, lots of hormones rushing around, not really knowing up from down. (laughs) trying to figure life out, caring more about what other people thought than, you know, being a good person or caring about doing good, that type of thing. And then this is when you're in middle school and high school. So when did you join the military? Right after I graduated. So 2004. So going from conflicted as a teenager you went to war and how did you feel there? What are the feelings? Cause I know some of my friends who like, unfortunately I, I guess the only ones who I had as friends while they were deployed are no longer with us, but they actually were like kind of, I felt like they were crazy because they were super hyped while they were there, but that was their first deployment. And then they never had a second one. But I, when I've said hyped a lot, but I mean like they were very, excited about being there and they were like that was their lifelong dream to defend america against the bad guys and yeah, i was happy no, that's for a, them. like that's a common common theme 
and that was pretty much, you know, there. Um, I knew, you know, I knew I actually, so I remember back in fourth grade, if you don't mind me kind of pulling it back a little bit. No, no, I remember back in fourth grade, I had a student teacher who I'm, I remember him serving in like the Marine Corps or something like that, but I could have made that up, but he like looked like he served in the military. You know, he had that like high and tight, close crop cut, um, you know, dressed really, you know, tidy and stuff like that. I'm almost positive he but um that stayed with me for a long time i always wanted to join the military um so that was kind of like just a theme um when 9 11 happened to push it forward a little bit i was a sophomore in high school so like i focused less on my grades because i just i wanted to go fight like that was my thing like i wanted to like i just kind of gave up on grades i was just like you know like not that smart anyway what kind of college am I going to get into? I just didn't know what I wanted to do in life other than be a soldier. I mean, that's all I really wanted to do anyway. Um, and that, then uh, my senior year of high school, when I was 17, my best friend had died. Um, he had a heart gym with him. He was just running on the treadmill, you know, super button. I, you know, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, didn't do anything but play. And, and actually that night he got a letter in the mail, didn't see, he would have saw when he got home, got full right scholarship to pitch in California, you know, so, you know, and a- after that happened, I was, you know, I enlisted and, and a year later, later, you know, less than a year after that, I was, you know, in Iraq, so. Okay, wait, I know to, 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 we, to have, be- we have, we <laughs> have... Yes, but we have to, since we have, I feel like my goal is to do as many episodes as I can with each person I know, because I feel like this is going to sound a little weird, but I, when I, this podcast originated, I feel like the thought originated at, when I worked at a gas station, which was my first real job ever, and I was 28. So up till at the age of 28, I had only ever either fought or worked for myself by running a gym, like owning the gym. So I had a, this huge privilege. And then when I finally started working, I started meeting people who were like, uh, say, I'm going to say some professions now. And I'm, I'm willingly throwing myself under the bus as thinking that these people had less of a rich inner narrative. Like I was meeting construction workers or... Um, like uh, people who were lifelong fast food workers. And now I'm saying I was being judgmental, but only because of my privilege and coming from a life where I had never been in those positions where I had to work at a job that didn't necessarily appreciate my uniqueness. So then when I started working at the gas station and meeting these people who came in who were like amazing painters or they had great singing voices. They were writers, but then they were working 12 to 15 hours a day. And just like, they were not being respected the way they should be. Like their story wasn't being honored. And then I started thinking about my own family. And then obviously I didn't want to displace it. So I definitely first before starting the podcast i definitely i'm closer to my extended family now than i've ever been because i've realized that they're an integral part of my story 
But I guess what I was getting at was telling your story. I want to really, whether, if it gets annoying, of course you can tell me to stop. But we're going to try to expand each section as though we don't have a budget or a time limit because there isn't one. And I feel like, of course, there are time constraints. But like when you mentioned your friend passing on the treadmill, like that's a big thing to see as a human like in front of you like yeah no it was certainly traumatizing you know uh it was i honestly i i like i was there i saw the dead body laying on the ground and it didn't even register in my brain until later that night when there was actual confirmation that that was him like I went home and I told my parents that somebody died I wasn't totally sure who it was like it was just like totally like this surreal experience and then realizing it was my best friend who I was there with like like we didn't go together but like we went to the gym together all the time he was there you know we say hi but I was there playing basketball he must have gotten there after me and he was literally watching me play basketball and I see him running on the treadmill one second and then the next second he's not anymore. I just figured that he, you know, left, you know, he went home and then all of a sudden there's a whole crowd commotion and we stop playing basketball and then go look at him. Like, wow. Oh man, somebody died. Like, Wow. And then, like, okay, let's go back and play basketball. <laughs> now, like, they're taking them, yeah. taking them away. And I remember he was wearing, you know, red shorts and a white t-shirt. You know, that was, you know, so Dude, that's. But that so... always stuck with me. I, I joined the military. I mean, I, I always knew I was going to, but once that happened, it was fate sealed. That's sealed the sealed the book. Do you... I, I kind of just didn't care what happened to me at that point. It was like, it was overdramatic. You know, I felt like I was, my life was over because his life was over. No, but I, I don't think that's overdramatic. And I think that I was going to ask, was that your first experience of that, that level of trauma in your life? Like if you, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, no, that absolutely. Way. 100%. I mean, I, I, my grand parents uh had passed specifically my one of my grandmas that can remember you know um I wasn't overly close with her or something um but no that was definitely that was the closest that like how how much how much more real does it get does life get than death you know um it really just it was it became real and it was looking at me right in the face and I freaked out you know, it was freaky and it was, I freaked out so much that I enlisted in the military and went into harm's way to see what would happen to me. And I guess. And this is looking back on it, obviously, like I yeah. didn't know any of this in the moment, you know, I was running away at the time, you know, I was running away from everything that reminded me of the pain of my best friend who had passed, you know, and that was everything. Like I remember it was like in the middle of the school year, my senior year of high school, walking down the, the hallways, there's a vigil right there. There's his locker. There's where we used to eat lunch, you know, like all these things. It was like, 
a lot of trauma for, I don't know, six or nine months, however long it was until graduation. And then I was, bam, I was off. I just left. Dude, that's, is so, so then let's say you, firstly, I was just thinking, it's funny that I wanted to join the army so badly. And then as a kid, my back got messed up and I was like, oh, I probably won't do anything physical. And then I ended up fighting and I'm like, oh, would I have survived joining the army? And then I'm like, would I have met Josh and Steve in the army? And that's kind of scary to think about this alternate reality where we all met in in like i don't know it's funny yeah it's not yeah it would be it would be funny but anyway we'll we'll make that movie someday (laughs) it'll be like a a politically correct tropic thunder not because we want to be but because we must but I'm, i'm not sure i can get on board with political correctness but I don't know. We okay. can go in that how direction about, if you want to. How about how about we film two versions and one <laughs> one is released on the premium Idiot Mystic Network, and then the other one will be the public version with no, yeah, you with we'll call it the Atkins cut. Oh wait. Well, I'm I'm not I, I'm 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 not like Steve. I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't censor myself like that. <laughs> burn steve <laughs> uh, him, but I, him, him him in those high kicks i i have a question yeah wait what did you say him and no, those nothing no those high kick he you know his okay. high kicks you can't get him up there oh yeah <laughs> for everyone who doesn't get it steve used to train and trains with us and he doesn't really kick very high sometimes. And he says he it's because he's He short. didn't used to. He didn't used to. Yeah. He's getting better. Now he kicks you in the head. In the, <laughs> but for me, it was always in the face. And it was so humiliating, dude. Like, it's like, I'm just looking at Steve's face. And then he slaps me with his foot in the <laughs> mouth. And I'm like, what, what? How is this happening? Like, why is your... What, what, it was like, uh, you know, and have you seen Borat? where he like, yes. slaps people with his legs all weird. Yeah. Like that Borat? Yeah. Yeah, yes, that, it was like it is, that. Yeah. Or no, it's Zohan. It's Zohan. Oh, Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't Zohan. mess with his Zohan, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's one. Right. That's I, right. Yeah, I haven't... Yeah, that... Steve's legs are like that now. They just pop up, but... I don't... You know what's weird? I was... It's very hard for me to train fighting now because I feel... Even the other day, dude, I almost signed up at a grappling gym again, like a BJJ gym, because I was like, might as well just increase like my belt rank and just keep learning jujitsu. Like, what's the harm? And then my ego got so weird. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should enter a tournament. Yeah, I guess I should probably start cutting weight. Uh, I don't know what that voice is, but like it turned on (laughs) in my head. And I was like, what is that? It was like sickening almost. Like I wanted to start competing after not training properly for so long and just like teaching. And I was like, what is wrong? Like, how did it suddenly turn on? They're like, I'm like, yes, we must go to war, find a competition. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was very Well, strange. you recognize that that's the ego. And I mean, that might be the, the most important part, you know, that you recognize it and then you're able to pull back from it or control it, you know, self-control. Yeah. It felt so, it's, it's so funny to see that in yourself. And then 
talk about it to other people and yeah they, and they acknowledge it because i mean for me i didn't know that i had it like that like my i thought that after finding god so to speak so before anyone gets triggered whatever that means to you <laughs> i felt after that i wouldn't be triggered in the way i am sometimes and like maybe like jealousy, envy, greed, lust. It's like so primal that I sometimes I laugh at myself. Like while I have the impulse, I start laughing because I can't believe that I'm thinking it. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the seven deadly sins are are a real thing and I think we all we all have them, if not all of them. We've definitely have a lot of them and you know, we, we all grapple with them differently with different things in our lives, but I think it's natural. I think that's normal. I think that we're all, we're, people forget that humans are animals. You know, we are, we are animals. Um, we have animalistic instincts and it doesn't mean we need to engage with that all the time and give in to it, but it certainly we need to accept it and realize that, yeah, that is a part of life and a part of who we are. Um, Yeah. I feel like we're about to deviate from your biography because you just said humans are animals. And then you said we don't have to give in to that part of us. And since I know you, could you share a little more about what you think the other part of us is that isn't an animal? Uh, oh man. So the other part that isn't, and I honestly, I don't even know if I would say that it's not the other part isn't an animal because I'm not even convinced that animals don't have consciousness okay. because I, I believe that that's ultimately what it is, is okay. that other part is just consciousness or awareness and god god you know that's the other that's that's what it's synonymous for me it's all the to me it's the same thing and what at what point if if it was the whole time then that's fine but was there something specific in your life that was some type of confirming experience for you that you are something more than just your body like just like like you just have to make money because all these earth things are the only things, but now you're saying there's a part of us that's something else. So is, have you had some type of confirmation of this or is this a working theory? And I'm asking in this weird way because I, I have you, my, cause we know each other. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I have, I mean, I just have my own personal direct experience, right? I, I, I don't, I don't speak for anybody else other than me. And I'm certainly not a doctor or a lawyer or anybody super important of any sort of credentials. Right. Um, but, I, but, I, I only speak from what I can personally attest to. And before <laughs> we go forward with the, you saying that doctors and lawyers are credentialed and important, a lot of the other figures we spoke about, such as like, let's say like religious prophets or spiritual leaders or uncredentialed influential people. I'm just saying that their experience with God 
is primarily what religion is based on. Like the current world religions, the dominant ones are based on the experiences of uncredentialed and uncredentialed illiterate people. And I just want to move forward so people hearing your I wouldn't say testimony, but that is a, we could use that word, but your experience because that is a direct experience of a human being. And I feel like when we devalue one human's experience of reality over and others or because of their credentials their experience holds more or less value i feel like that's a product of something that we weren't born into we aren't supposed like to me you are credentialed because that's your birthright as a human being so please tell us what you experience well well and i totally agree with you right i totally agree with all of that i just you know, I want people to just know and understand that this is all just my, you know, subjective experience. Okay, fair. <clears throat> um, but um, so, what was your question again? I don't even remember the question, man. Um, what What was? Have you had a a confirming <clears throat> mystic experience or a direct encounter with this divine or non physical part of yourself? let alone maybe maybe outside yourself also i don't know maybe you've seen maybe you've been through a portal and been to another dimension i don't know i'm just asking have you yeah so so i've had a lot uh, well i guess i don't know i've had a, a couple dozen direct experiences with what i would call uh divine consciousness or the divine right or god right um it wasn't a conversation where i spoke to anybody or where anybody spoke to me um it almost was like telepathy type of thing where you just feel the feeling and you know what it means but there's no words that really go to it um and that way and, and you know i haven't i haven't said it directly but i i it's with experimenting with psychedelics and specifically mushrooms and LSD are my two preferred modes and cannabis, but that's, I don't consider that. That's not a classic psychedelic. So, um, so yeah, so my, my experiences are mostly with that. Um, so yeah. Okay. And I say okay a lot. I'm realizing it because I'm recording so many of these. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, okay. So yeah, I'm but, saying um a lot. So you know, uh, don't worry. <laughs> we we have we know what we need to print on t-shirts now. Uh yeah. But would you say that people can experience that? Okay, firstly, I was gonna say it sounds a lot like what people call gnosis. Or that that moment of sudden understanding, uh, when you're saying you had like a telepathic kind of transfer of information, uh, and at the sake of sounding like I don't want people to think that if someone walks up to me on the street and says they just spoke to God, I wouldn't have any discernment in what they say God told them. But at the same time, because of my my personal belief in the non-physical, I definitely give them a hundred percent benefit of the doubt because it's not my place to doubt another human. So 
would you be comfortable like sharing even if vaguely because i know like this is i guess you don't care about what you say which i love i i i'm so inspired by your boldness when you speak i'm like how, who is the, did he come from another planet like i don't understand but um how what did well you got to set me up for something bold then i mean i haven't okay. i haven't done that yet you know okay so <clears throat> what if you had to tell someone else what what god told you or transmitted to you and you had to just give like whatever you're comfortable giving what would you tell the person or me cuz i want to know i mean i honestly it's super corny i mean it's re- it really it's just love man like and it really just it's simple and it's not complex it's really just comes down to love and I really would love to expand on, I mean, like I, I struggled for a long time, me personally, with self-love. Um, so wait, what? so yeah. firstly, it's not corny at all. It made me very happy that you said that. And also it's happy, it makes me happy to hear another like person who is conventionally seen as a male say it because people are like oh love why are you are you okay are you on drugs like well i don't even mean i didn't mean corny i i meant more cliche Um, okay yes because of the the psychedelic component and all that but like but like it's true you know like like that's the that's the that's the problem with 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 something like this is is it's it's it really is true like you just need to, it's not even like love other people, right? Like you can't help somebody else if you can't even help yourself, right? Like your Carrie say about like the, like, oh, what was he? He was talking all sorts of stuff about the medical industry. I it was so inspiring yeah. to hear a medical doctor actually say the things that I feel and know deep down, but don't hear any, anybody quote unquote legitimate say right any other doctors anybody in the like you don't hear anybody saying that like it was it was so refreshing to hear or at least i don't but to be yeah fair, no i i, I don't, I, I don't I, i'm not out there in social media and stuff i don't need so you know no. i don't really know what's going on in the world we need to talk about <clears throat> so much but okay firstly on the topic of dr carey or dr friesen i agree he's amazing and i feel like hearing a doctor speak like that it honestly made me feel almost protected a little bit knowing that they're like medical professionals of his his uh level his years of experience who have for sure yeah it was very reassuring because I've been screwed over so many times by the medical system that I'm like, I didn't even know it was possible. But before we get distracted, you said you always struggled with love, but with self-love. When you say that, because I had this problem a lot and mine stemmed from abuse that I didn't know occurred till I went to therapy. So in your case, do you know when you struggled when this struggle began or has it always been there where as a kid, I mean even- it depends how deep you want to go I mean I can go back to birth trauma to be honest with you um, I came out suffocating you know I had the cord wrapped around my neck and I was blue ready to die uh, 
you know, and for some miracle, I turned out okay. I was blue like a like psilocybin, you know. Um, maybe it's a sign. Maybe, but um, yeah. So I, I I started off struggling in life, and that's kind of how I've always felt. I've always struggled, and you know, I'm also a Gemini. So if you believe in that type of stuff, I've got the duality thing going on that I've always struggled with. This battle between good and evil right and wrong, uh, good and bad. It's why I, I have to rely on rules so heavily because I kind of struggle with moral gray area because I feel like I can kind of justify just about anything in life, you know? Um, yeah, no, I think, yeah. I think you're, you're such, like, if this was, if this was a video game, you're an you're a character that has so much like the way you're saying it i love that you're sharing this with so much honesty because i feel like other people don't know how to talk like this about themselves without the maybe you're internally shaming yourself but at least out loud (laughs) you're should i wait so should i be ashamed no, you shouldn't. Okay. okay. <laughs> but but I feel like other people do shame themselves for the things you're talking about, including myself. And because we feel like we can't talk about having duality or struggles or like wanting to have an easier life or wanting to yeah. or feeling like we were struggling. Like I've I've always been told that feeling sorry for yourself is negative. But now lately, whenever I feel some type of physical pain or emotional pain, I actually take a second and I'm like, hey, it's I actually get it. It's like rough right now, but it's going to be okay." And I'm like, wait a minute. Why were you so nice to yourself? And then it progresses into like better output because of that moment of forgiveness to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I struggled for a long time with self-pity and and it's you know when you're depressed and you have life is hard and life is hard for everybody right like I remember being in Iraq and fighting a war and going home or calling a friend and them complaining to me about how stressed they are because they have final exams coming up and I'm like bro I'm getting shot at like I'm getting bombed and try people are trying to blow me up and you're complaining to me about final exams like you know yeah, like it's kind of, those are and, then, and then guess what then I went I was like bros these exams are no joke like <laughs> holy crap I'd rather go you know go back to war go back to Iraq and have to take another one of these final exams are you kidding me send me back to war like you weren't lying I was the asshole yeah like that's how that's how my son feels about school right now he'd rather do anything than but honestly I would also rather him do anything than go to a school with like a public school but anyway I'm noticing my nose is getting sniffly, so let me blow my nose. But I have a question. Yes. When you're, you're talking about this struggle with self-acceptance, so at the sake of like one, going too far back, uh, what, were, 
were there any like negative moments in your early childhood that could have caused this or did this all start later in life? Um, I mean, I remember I, I almost going even farther back. I guess this would be my first memory, actually. I remember I must I may, maybe must have been two years old, younger, to be honest with you. But I almost drowned, actually. Um, we had a pool in our backyard as a kid. You know, we had a, some kind of party going on, yada, yada, and I jumped in the pool. And, you know, my dad had to jump in and save me. I don't think I actually had any real, you know, chance of drowning. But I remember the fear that I that I felt at that moment. And I still still have a very, very healthy respect for the water. I love the water. I'm a very good swimmer. I was a lifeguard growing up. Um, You know, I live on a great lake, Um, you know, so. I love the water. I, I sail from time to time when I get the chance. Um, you know, I, so I love the water, but I, it's dangerous and is very magical and deserves a whole lot of respect. Like if God exists, if there's a palace of God, it exists somewhere on the ocean. Figuratively, not, not literally. You know? why, did, why, did, why did you have to say that? Because now we have to take a little... Little... Well, you know, like the stories of Atlantis and all that. I'm setting you up now, bro. <laughs> it honestly, it honestly, I have caught your pass. I appreciate <laughs> it. So this is where we are at. Did you see the recent Ukrainian UAP study? I did not, know. Okay, let me, I'm going to. Read it out to you, not in uh, too much detail, but I'll just cover the general part of it. And then slowly, I feel like, okay, so obviously you were in the military um, while you were deployed. Um, you had experiences that obviously you probably can't share because some parts of being deployed are not shareable, correct? Sure, if you want to put those limitations on us. I mean, Wait, I, did... <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that that wasn't there. All the I I guess I know some very shady people then who are like, "Oh, I can't say that out loud." I'm I'm I, I hey man, it's your podcast. <laughs> no, can... if Yeah, no, okay. So then where, where we are at with the, in this um, UAP subject, which in case anyone doesn't realize, that's like the new acronym for UFOs. Um, right now, the main astronomical observa- observatory of the National Academy of Sciences in Ukraine. So this is their government commissioned uh, astronomy observatory. So it's not a private venture. They have released a report that says that they've had two cameras at two weather stations that they've changed to monitor fast moving objects. So objects that would only be capturable if you were taking pictures at, I don't know the exact speed, but it's like uh, the objects are moving at at speeds like 33,000 miles per hour, which is 53,000 kilometers, which is 
33,000 miles per hour is pretty fast because from what I understand, uh, a ballistic missile goes up to like 15,000 miles per hour, like a stat, uh, not like a supersonic one, but like a standard one that we know about. Though, so these things are, so this observatory has released this report saying that these two cameras captured hundreds of objects that are going at this speed of like 33,000 miles per hour or above. And you can only see them for a second or two. And they're basically like tiny spheres from what the pictures look like. Um, and so this is not related to the US. So now it's like, it's out of the conventional like CNN, Fox News narrative. This is, I guess it's another government that's involved in the global stage, but it's still, what's your take on what I just said on the Ukrainian government saying that <laughs> their airspace is covered in stuff that isn't Russian because they're not engaging with it? I mean, it's certainly super fascinating and interesting. Uh, for me, the problem is that everybody is admitting everything now. Super suspect in my eyes. Um, I mean, I followed... So I got out of the Army in 2010. Uh, since 2010, so for the last 12 years, right? affairs and conspiracy theories and you know you know cultural trends and all these things financial markets and all this stuff you know, I've, I've monitored and, and i've dabbled in all these things and this if like if i'm being totally honest it all reeks of uh of a psyop of a psychological operation right like the entire thing reeks of uh essentially um like global conspiracy and i and i and i truly hate to throw that out there just because i think there's so much to it like i don't even think that it's not true i just think that it, it goes so deep that there's not even any unraveling the ball of yarn anymore uh, I think that there's so many lies that have been propagated from every single government in existence currently that essentially everybody is just trying to stay afloat at this point. Like every government's just trying to hold on society as a whole board is changing. And I get that's like not the answer or the direction that you were expecting things to go at all. Uh, Cause I totally, totally think that a lot of this UAP stuff is legit. And I'm not even denying that Ukraine is finding some of these things, but I don't think that it's any government that's actually doing any of these, like they're not the ones who have the UAPs, right? If, if it is an earthly thing, a human made thing, then it would be done by private corporations. Like private corporations are 15, 20, I mean, they were 15 years, ahead, 20 years ahead of, the game back in the 40s imagine how fast technology is going they must be a hundred years i mean these aren't real numbers but they're they're vastly beyond what the militaries of the world can mass produce 
enough for the world stage, right? These guys are working on one single aircraft at a time, you know? So all these things happening that the space station is seeing, you know, going on by the moon and all these other things. Honestly, it sounds mostly like they're probably building a base on the backside of the moon. Like they're okay, building a space wait, station, like legit. Wait, they're probably let, building something there. Like it's let, probably not aliens. Not saying no, aliens don't exist. I, no, but no, no. Like, I'm happy that you went in this direction because also I'm more right distrustful now, of the government than no, no, anything. This is right. This is perfect because there's also this. There's legislation being passed that mentions it's already been passed. It was on last year's. Uh, no, National Defense Authorization Act, I think, or the NDAA for 2023. It includes this inquiry into private organizations having UAP, like recovered UAP materials. Are there, I think they're called off-world craft or something, some bizarre name. And those organizations are like obviously Boeing, like Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, Totally. Lear. But Lockheed I feel Martin, like, yeah, yes, Lockheed Martin. Small, point yes, the finger, I feel, yeah. I I feel like it's okay though if they even if this technology exists that can travel at those speeds without creating heat signature and without uh, disturbing like surfaces like going from underwater to the uh, exo at, like atmosphere. I don't know what I said exo atmosphere. I think my brain just malfunctioned <sighs> to like. Go, they're entering from 80,000 feet and then they're dropping down to sea level going under the water. So I feel like if this technology exists, I have hope for like our children's future in terms of energy not being an issue. Not that I want my son to live in electricity, but I feel like if the world has an energy crisis and falls into chaos and he has to fight uh gen z cannibals i don't know I'd, I'd rather him not have to do that and it seems like if this technology does exist i would hope that like why do you think they wouldn't share it because it would solve everything there would be no problems if energy was not a problem and this type of propulsion existed then at least vehicle transport like shipping costs would be zero Things like this would be, I don't know. So, Where do you stand? so basically you're saying you want corporations to up Nobel Prize winning technology for free for everybody <laughs> where, where they could make billions, if not probably hundreds of trillions of, they could make new profit records. Who are why wouldn't they just give it to you because you no. want free free Wi-Fi? No, you're right. I just wanted you to say that. Now, now like, since they can't since they can't give it to me for free, and the U.S. government is saying that like the stuff that's been crashing since the 1500s and like a period. So if if we're being honest, the government just wants to say I don't know, right? They really want to have the answers they just want to pass the ball so we're not a dictatorship yet right like vladimir Putin, whoever some of these other dictators right like the shoulder like it's it, the world is on 
shareholders, right? Like if, if the world screws up, there's only so many people, only so many generals Putin can kill, only so many oligarchs he can take their money before people are like, well, obviously, dude, it's you. Like you are the issue, <laughs> right? But yeah. like here in America with democracy, like stupidity wins. Like it's really 51% wins whatever. So if you can get the majority, you're good to go. You know, they, they don't want answers. They don't want to know if UFOs exist, right? Like, okay, like private companies, you have your black budget. Like you give us our lobbying money and we will hook you up. We will keep everything secret. We complete the fifth. Like, we don't know, like keep us out of the dark or keep us in the dark. We don't want to know what's going on in some of these labs and whatever. Like you do your thing. If we get subpoenaed, we want to be able to under oath say that we don't know. Because that's what that, terrified about, right? No, Getting I'm reelected, so glad you're and that is what the problem is. It's pri- okay, it's, so... it's the private private sector is the real issue. It's not. I mean, like, I, government is the problem. They're like the the false flag. I mean, I shouldn't use false flag because that's a real thing. But they're like, the, yeah, wait, the, they're, wait. The, they're they're the false <laughs> standard, right? They're the false uh, rallying people rally behind the political. Like these people aren't real, really leading anything, you know, like they're so far behind culture. It's ridiculous. They're why do we still have 80 year old white men like speaking for the country? Like that's just not the way that it should work anymore. And eventually that will be the case. So to make a long story short, I don't have hope for Xander, bro. (laughs) He's going to he's going to be fighting the zombie apocalypse. Like so are my kids. Okay, wait exactly you know i'm (laughs) before before we continue i want you to let's confirm that you are also a white male and your statement about 80 year old white men i feel like it's not racially driven i feel like it's like an earnest opinion based on like looking at the situation and i just wanted to reiterate that because i think a few people have mentioned maybe the old white man archetype and there are some very nice old white men out there no i'm not saying that i'm I'm not saying old white men aren't aren't nice i'm just saying that old (laughs) white political leaders yes yes are who have a power base who have a system of funneling money through shell companies and through their family members and through close relatives and friends like hey i would do the same thing too I'm not in in any position of power, right? Like I'd help out my friends. Like that's the point of having a sweet job. If I had a sweet company, I'd hire you. I'd want you to run my communications, you know, like, you know what you're doing. I have no idea, right? Like why would I just pay somebody who will probably screw everything up versus somebody that I know who, hey, this guy needs money. Why wouldn't I just help him out? You know, like- People call it nepotism, which it, it is, right? That's nepotism, but also I'm not in charge of an entire country, right? Like, I feel like there's a scale here, right? Um, there's a spectrum where it's, it's cool to help out your bros, but at what, what's, the, what's the cost, right? What's the price? What price are you paying to help out your friends, to set up your family for life? Like, I want my kids to be good. I want them to be able to follow their passion in life and not have to worry about a nine to five job or having to, 
do all sorts, like have three jobs in their like, like, and all these things are good. And that's fine. If like, if that's the way it works, but I also want them to be able to, Oh, I, I, I want to be a ballet dancer. Sure. Pursue ballet. Like here, like I, I will support you for a little while or help you or help you pursue this degree or your passion in life. You know, like I want my kids to have that opportunity. Dude, this is like the most beautiful thing you could have said because I, <clears throat> sorry, I'm coughing. Um, I or have crying. a friend. <laughs> I have a friend who, um, she was talking about um, family, like how she didn't feel encouraged as a child, and then discussed it with her parents recently and she's about um i feel like you're my age we're the same age right i'm 36 i'm 31 so we're the same age so she's younger than us like in her late 20s and she's talking to her parents at this age about not being encouraged as a child to pursue what (coughs) was most uh what she was most passionate about And then the parents, instead of just staying relatively calm, at least, it's turning into some type of, like, extremely volatile situation, which this family isn't, from what I know, at least, they don't seem to be volatile people. But it's that parents love their kids so much that when the kid tells them a grievance from their childhood, it hurts the parents so much that their response is almost more trauma than the original one. And yeah, I guess yeah, yeah. it's making me happy to hear not just that you think you should encourage your kids because from the little I know you, I could tell that anyway, like you, you don't, you don't talk about anything except your family and mystery schools and the Demiurge and God and Archons and the Bible and Wait, aren't you Jewish? I'm confused, Josh. I am, yeah. I am Jewish. But didn't we say, do you do Hanukkah and Christmas? Oh, you caught up on that. Nice. So so my mother is Jewish and my father is Christian. So, and I'm not sure how much you know about the Jewish religion and Jewish laws and stuff, but I've, I've recently delved deeply into it and I will confess why. And it's gonna, it hurts me a little to say, um, I was obviously growing up in Pakistan. Um, it's a Muslim country and they are sympathetic to Palestine and I personally, in my from my personal understanding of the people's situation, I too uh, am sympathetic to their cause. And I don't believe that their people should be killed and driven out of their land and all that stuff. And I'm saying it in this like glossed over way because I don't want to sound like I'm fighting for their rights because I wish I could. But I just, I was raised with this dislike of Israeli people. And then when I finally moved to, this is such a weird story, and I hope I don't get in trouble for telling it, but I moved to Thailand, and a lot of Israeli people are into Muay Thai. Like, I think maybe from the Krav Maga crossover, or I don't really know why. It's a big backpacking place. Okay. I did not know this. Yeah. Okay. 
so I started meeting Israeli people in Thailand, and they were mostly, to be honest, they were mostly girls. And then I started, so they were, the feminine energy was obviously kind, but I assumed that that was because of their feminine nature. And then I started fighting Israeli fighters, like meeting them in the local fight circuit in Thailand. And they hit so hard and seemed like, like we had, it seemed like we had bad blood from before the fight. And I, and after the fight, we wouldn't talk or shake hands. And it was a whole weird thing. And then finally, I just went up to one of them and I was like, because I couldn't handle it. It was like my third time fighting someone with an Israeli flag, like draped around them. And he was like being weird and like, not weird, like confrontation, like I had done something. And then maybe I was also acting like he had done something. And I finally spoke to him after our fight. It was like a draw, I think. And he beat the crap out of me. So I, he should have won. But uh, after the fight, I was like, oh, do you want to go out? And he's like, uh, okay. And we we went out, like, drinking. And at the time, I, when I was fighting, I was 18 and 17. And, like, that was my time in Thailand. So I wasn't really a drinker. And I just, like, talked to this Israeli guy all night. And he was drunk out of his mind and had spent, like, probably 30 minutes beating my face. And he was a normal person with, like, a family. And it, like, made me... I felt so guilty about, like, excluding an entire religion because of two countries, like, geopolitics, which, like, it, like it's a guilt that I was, like, I couldn't believe that I was like that. And as soon as I corrected it, I was, like, I don't know. I, I have a lot of friends who are Jewish and not just Israeli Jewish, but, like, just all sorts of Jewish people. And Biscuit is barking, sorry. Um, uh, hi, Biscuit. I'm ranting a little bit, but also the person who probably fine-tuned my spirit, my spirituality most. And when I say that, I mean, obviously it's coming from the oneness or the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. But this lady called Mirabai Star, who I mention on almost every podcast, she is like a, a Ram Dass student and a student of many other like leading, like no very prolific meditation teachers of modern times. She went from being an interfaith writer and professor to going back to her Jewish roots. And I think watching her express like Jewish ritual and like Jewish doctrine in a more feminine way has made me really appreciate it more for like less from a, it seems much less, uh, I guess is, it's not military, but like, it seems a lot gentler when presented through feminine expression. And I don't know, that's my little, I love Jewish people rant. Sorry. Uh, but please tell me about, your judaism or your your experience with it so um yeah wow so let's see where do we go with that yeah Yeah, i don't know i just felt so it was like i was like wait i just remembered something horrible about myself let me tell everyone (laughs) (laughs) i don't know so well israeli people are very intense so they are certainly intense people 
Um, so I'm not surprised that they're in Thailand, you know, fighting and stuff. So, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a really big place for uh, Israelis to go backpacking. Like they love backpacking through Thailand because after they finish their primary school, um, they have to serve in the military, but they can choose to take a year gap year. So if they choose to take the gap year, I think they have to leave the country. That's like the rule. So, and don't quote me on this, this could be totally wrong, but I know that a lot of them just decide to backpack through Southeast Asia. Like they you're, have a lot of... You're quoting yourself on this. So I'm, I'm waiting. I hope we get an Israeli guest or I can ask one of my friends. Well, the craziest thing, my one of my like best, my my friend who is Israeli, he like disappeared from all social media and he doesn't answer his phone. And it's terrifying, dude. It's not nice when people live in a dangerous place and then they suddenly disappear from the internet. Like, it's really scary. Yeah, I, I mean, I was that person, so, you know. Why did I, you disappear I, from the internet? It's just toxic. The entire, like, social media. Like, there, like I, I can access the internet, you know. There's no problem with the internet. It's just, it's really just social media that I distanced myself. I just created an Instagram, like, a month or two ago for the first time. Like, that's my, literally my only mode of social media, and I don't even really check that, you know, so... But, um, yeah, so to take it back to your question about my, I guess, my religious background. Yes, um, or your, just whatever, however you want to express it, because you can start from early on if you want. No, I mean, I, I honestly, there's not much to it. I wasn't raised anything, right? My mom kind of rebelled against uh, Judaism. Um, she had her own plums with it so i'm so all right so i guess i do kind of have to back up a little bit so i am there's different kind of ethnic so judaism's not just a religion right it's a culture but it's also like an ethnicity too right so tested and on ancestry it says that i'm 30 some odd percent jewish right like my dna says that i am jewish it's not just my religion it's not just my culture it's literally in my blood there's no denying it it's like in my dna right so um my there's different kinds of ethnic jews so there's ashkenazi jews which are essentially european jews the russian lithuanian latvian that whole german poland those are ashkenazi jews and then you've got sephardic jews which were the jews from like the Middle East or specifically from Spain, right? The ones who got expelled from Spain back during the Inquisition, those are Sephardic Jews. And then you have uh, the Mizrahi, which are essentially like African and Middle Eastern Jews. Like the Yemenese Jews are kind of the most prolific of them. Um, So there's like different ethnicities of Jews. Um, So it's not just, and we all, and to be fair, like, like there's different, they we kind of there's not like one set doctrine to be honest with you so it's kind of interesting in that way but um 
so I am my on so my mom's Jewish and her father um, is Sephardic. So his ancestors came from Spain, and uh, my grandmother they came from as far as we know like the Belarus, Lithuania uh, area. So somewhere in that region. Um, that's where they came from. So, but my mom kind of rebelled against it all because the fa- her father, you know, head of house, kind of had. Uh, he's actually so his family is, came from Spain, but eth- ethnically he hails from like Greece and Turkey, right? So I've got like all these different things going on inside of me, right? Like all these ethnicities, all these different cultures. Um, always clashing um within me so but uh yeah so i've got so i've got these different cultures and i've got these different things but then i've also got my dad who's christian he he's protestant but he's not religious in any way his parents and grandparents weren't religious there's no was there was no god in my family growing up uh, my mom actually converted at one point, but according to Jewish law, once you like a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Like if you're Jewish, you're you're Jewish. If your mom is Jewish, it follows the maternal line, right? So, and that's because you know who the baby came from. You don't always know who the dad is, right? So, if a baby came from a mom, right? If if she was Jewish, well, you know the baby's Jewish, right? So that's where that comes from. So the like the rule is that if your mom Jewish so according to Jewish law I'm Jewish I always like rebelled against that growing up my grandma and my my great aunt and all my the the elders in my family I'm Jewish and I'd always be like I'm not Jewish I don't believe in it I'm not that's not me yada 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 you know so that was pretty much my my you know religious upbringing there was none you know um Fast forward to me joining the military, um, kind of, it kind of started with my friend dying, coming face to face with death, uh, kind of thinking about all these questions. I was 17 before I really asked about God. I didn't care. I was too busy trying to, you know, hook up with girls. You know, I didn't care about God. What, what did that have to do with me? You know, so... So wait, when did, when would you say, I guess you did say that your experiences with God were connected to your uh, psychedelic experience as well. Um, I yeah, guess I've explored that... everything, man. Like I've gotten down and tried to Mecca, you know, like I've, I've done it all, you know, I've lit incense uh, for Buddha, I've been to Thailand. I went on a pilgrimage with a bunch of monks. Like my and things, like I've tried to pray to Jesus Christ. You know, like I've I've explored Hinduism. Um, you know, I I Druidism, Druidry. Sorry, Druidry. <laughs> um, I've you know, like pagan, like I've I've the Greek gods, Scandinavian gods, Norse gods. I'm sorry, you know, like. I've looked into all these things um, and I keep coming back to Judaism, you know, like I don't want to, like I didn't no, want to, I shouldn't even say I don't want to. I didn't no, but it's want good. To, you know, it's good to be honest about 
our stubborn nature. Like I fight, I've had to fight like that. I'm, I was born Muslim and that like my, even, well, I'm scared to talk about this, but I shouldn't be, but even my own parents found themselves spiritually later in life. So I feel like I had a good, they have a good tolerance for, for the search because they know that it's a noble quest but I guess I feel like sometimes it seems like people aren't like I'm I'm very proud to hear you say all the things you tried because I feel like there's some kind of shame on earth in trying like it, for example even if you had said oh I tried satanism like I don't shame anyone for reaching out to anyone for help because when a human needs help when we're in pain the suffering is real like it's not imaginary the pain is very real and we need help yeah 100 totally and i guess what i was trying to get at was when you did uh use psychedelics or when you did feel the real like the you were ready to I guess I don't know if you knew you were going to encounter God, but what I was, was your I was hoping? Yeah, I was hoping. What was your state? I, so, like, sorry, you know, sorry so, for interrupting. No, no, I sorry, um, but I, I, uh, you know, I've searched for a long time. You know, I it started in the army um, when I had originally met uh, Steve. You know, one of your former guests. Um, you know, I was practicing buddhism you know he you know i was minimalist nothing you know like monastery monastic lifestyle you know like that was the point where i had met steve that was the but point were, in my journey i was at but you were still in a combat active combat zone i had done one tour already yes i had met steve in between my first and second served our okay. second tour together so did you guys, this is an interesting question. Were you in the monastic or did you, I guess we'll call it the, the monk phase. Cause we're going to refer to this over the next 70 million episodes of this while we get to the very inside of your soul. Um, for, and hopefully I'm not gonna, I won't reference any big podcasters, but I feel like we're not trying to do anything here. So I have, if it seems like I'm droning on or I'm just silent and letting you talk, please take all the space because I feel like now I'm realizing that this is, I'm not saying this is the only record of you that will be left before you're gone, but this might be, I'm realizing it's very important to me that we leave some record of what we were doing this whole time. Like I've even yeah, talked yeah. about you a few times already and I just like, I hope that, people understand that this is just like a long form i wish each episode was like 10 hours and we could i guess we won't say what substances we would have to ingest to make that happen but well, anyway, I, 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 was... I restrict myself only to a few so i'm not yes. as, i'm not as risky as steve i've got a little more to live for right now so hey hey, hey don't don't throw steve under any buses i'm steve. not i'm not you just know me and steve are best friends so for the audience to <laughs> to kind of get a little bit of perspective uh, me and steve yeah. have, have fought a war and, together so and and hopefully we have you guys you guys will be on together and then you can tell us war stories and then 
It'll be oh, totally. Well, well, yeah. Some you, some war story. Maybe not. Okay, not friend stories. Yeah, yeah. There friend you go. Story. I'm I okay got, with I war get, stories too, though. I've I'm got juvenile. some good ones. I'm yeah. I'm so. a little, my grandfather was in the army, so I'm used to like. I just sit there and listen. I as so, if someone starts telling me they were like surrounded in a village, I'm like, tell me all about it. Cause yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm here. Our story, our stories aren't even that cool. You gotta talk to a World War II vet if there's any still around. That would that's a that's a pleasure if they ever open up to you about it. Dude, that would be amazing to talk. I feel like I haven't spoken to anyone of that vintage who was in active duty. I've spoken to people who were like deployed but not actually fighting yeah man i don't think there's very many left alive to be honest with you i wonder if there's like a database maybe Maybe. okay but yeah oh so anyway yeah so your question about so i have so all right so here here's I'll, i'll just give you the time that the time that it happened right the experience um but but before you give us the experience there's one thing i want to know because i feel like it's important because i i can i'm not gonna say this again but i can tell already just from us talking that you're good at communicating exactly what you're thinking but i want if you could tell people where you were before you had the experience like emotionally and mentally so that they can see the contrast maybe between someone talking to God and what they were doing prior, like maybe 10 hours prior. Yes. Okay. So man, so let's, let's back it up to 2010, right? Like, so this is like 10 years of pain and suffering, emotional and physical, right? I had a, have a lot of physical pain from the military, um, back problems, hip problems, knee problems, wrist problems, uh, PTSD, depression, uh, anxiety. Um, apparently marijuana abuse disorder is a thing, but whatever, not going (laughs) to go there. Um, it's okay to go anywhere. Yeah. But you know, whatever. So, you know, I've got physical and uh, emotional stuff that I was dealing with. You know, I, I had just gotten out of the army. Um, I got married actually a month before I had gotten out. So actually backing it up, me and Steve were deployed together, right? We were in Iraq. We were in Basra. Uh, Steve and I actually got to stand on top of Abraham's house right? Patriarchal Abraham from the Bible. We were at his house. We got to stand on his house. What? Um, yeah, it was. I, and honestly, that was probably the first time I had actually felt a spark of something. Like I felt something there. I didn't know what it was, but it felt special. And mind you, I had no like particular connection to Judaism at this point. Like I was kind of exploring it, but like I said, it was mostly Buddhism, meditating and stuff. But like, I totally felt something when I was there. So like that totally sparked my interest in pursuing that a little bit more, but it kind of got put on the back shelf. Uh, I had met my wife when I had gone on mid tour leave and we just hit it off and we got engaged after five days. And then, and then we got, wait, wait, wait. And then we got married. 
well, we got married after five months, five months later, we got married. And then we had my son nine months after that. And so I had gotten out of the military one month after I had gotten married. So, okay, pause. Now, if you, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so you tell me about meeting your wife. How was that? So we actually knew each other growing up. She's the same age as my brother. Our moms were best friends growing up. Um, So she'll probably kill me for saying this, but she had the biggest crush on me growing up. Uh, She's three years younger. So it was kind of like a weird, weird age difference. Like it's not that big of a deal now. Yeah. But But like in high school, right? Like you're 17 and you know, it's like 14, like really like, you know, it's like this weird age where it's like taboo and off. So whatever. So I left for the military. I, you know, I went to her bat mitzvah. She's Jewish as well. Uh, I danced with her at her bat mitzvah um, and all that. So, but then, you know, we got together when I was on mid tour leave. I mean, that was basically, I had seen her on Facebook when, back when I was on Facebook, back when Facebook had like literally kind of just opened up to the public. Not, not exactly, but you know what I mean? Um, So yeah. And then we kind of just got together and we just, we just hit it off. Like it was just, we kind of knew it was just, we were, it was it, you know, it was kind of the love at first sight kind of thing as as cliche and dorky as it is, you know, it was just, just happened, you know? So perfect. But then we, we had my, we had my son, my oldest son and he uh, is diagnosed, was diagnosed with autism so, and he was a tough kid, super tough child. He only slept literally like two hours a day and it wasn't even consecutive sleep. And me and my wife had to like parent in shifts for literally four years about, it was four years. I, I literally didn't sleep. I was drinking over 90 ounces of coffee a day just to stay awake. Um, so life was kind of, was was pretty rough when I had first gotten out, and what you know for veterans even now, uh, you know like twenty two veterans a day kill themselves. You know like life is hard for veterans when we get out. It's just not the same. You know society sucks. You know you you actually have a sense of security as weird as that sounds being in such insecure environments. Like you rely more on the people around you. And you have a sense of tribalism, which sounds awful, right? Tribalism, bad. But, like, it it was the best time of my life, you know, as scary and sad and fearful as I was, which all of those things were real, right? And trauma and, you know, probably a lot of other things. It was also, like, I met my best friend, right? Like, I met Steve, you know? I met a couple of guys I still keep in touch with, you know? And some guys I, I, I... don't keep in touch with but I I had really good experiences with them and some not so good but like like I I truly never felt more part of anything than I did when I was in the army and I kind of felt like I had lost 
almost like like kind of like when my my friend had died when I was 17 like I felt like I had truly like a death in my family like it felt like I lost something and that just made me sad and I didn't get any reprieve because my son wouldn't stop crying you know and I felt like it was my fault like I was doing something wrong like what what am I doing like am I just a bad father like does he know something about me I don't know uh, and yeah. And if you if you don't, I'm just following it up with like further questions. But yeah, I'm realized, an open book, dude. <laughs> but I just realized that probably from being shot at so much, you kind of talk about very serious things, and uh, it's like well packaged trauma, almost like you want to save me or anyone listening from getting hurt too much. But it's like, it's very generous of you, but it's like, it's crazy that you just describe one traumatic state after the other, and then you describe it as though it's a regular event, whereas... Well, I it just, is. That's that's kind of the problem. Like, that was the problem. Not anymore. Yes. Not, not anymore. Like, right? Like, that was that was the problem. Is it, I was I was, for six years, when I was in the army, I was in constant fear. Right. I was in constant, constant, not fear. Let's not say fear. Let's say stress, right? Constant stress from being yelled at and having to do push-ups for making a bad, a, a mistake or screw making a mistake. Your, your, your sergeant just wants to mess with you because he can, right? Like it's the little power trips that, that people get off on, right? Like it's, it's people can make your life miserable if they want to, which is why so many guys in the military kind of alpha up right they kind of have this macho exterior because nobody's going to mess with you if you're an alpha if you're a macho guy then other macho guys aren't going to mess with you it's the it's the not macho guy it's the beta males i i, I get that there's debate over the terms and stuff but i think you understand my meaning right it's the it's those the the lesser which i don't actually mean that you know it, but that's kind of the view in in the animal kingdom right is that it's dominate or be dominated and the only place and i've never been to prison right but that's kind of the only place i can i can relate because i know people who have been to jail and to prison and stuff but that i can relate to that's more animalistic than the military right there's more rules you have to follow the rules you know, but there's, there's, there's this, ant, there's this primal side to it. There's this primal side. Some people thrive in it and some people fall and drown in it, you know, but um, the military in general is traumatizing. The entire culture is toxic. Um, you know, I don't think this is anything new. And I'm not even saying that it's all bad because honestly, in order to stay alive, who wants rainbows and butterflies all the time? Like, <laughs> like no, no, no. It, it, it's a trade-off. You're signing the contract. You, do you know what GI stands for? I think general issue. Government issue. Government. Not even general issue. You belong to the government. Jeez. You are government property. So like, like that's what you need to expect. Like I was, I was under no, I knew what I was getting myself into. No recruiter conned me. I went to the recruiter. I even told them, I said, I said, you don't need to recruit me. I want to join. I want to be in the infantry. Like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go fight. You don't need to recruit me. Right? Like I was ready to go. 
and okay, so you you're you go, you fight a war, you meet a friend, you come back, you you come back for a break, you fall in love, then you find out you come so then your son gets diagnosed with autism and I what did that feel like? Like when you found out is It was that, such a I, relief. Okay. It was such a relief. I know that it could have gone the complete other way and I know parents are one or the other, but it felt good to not know. It felt good to know it wasn't my fault, quote unquote, right? That it wasn't because of me. Like I didn't do something or like whatever, right? So that felt good. At least I knew what it was. Now we know what the problem is and we can tackle it. Right, and quote unquote problem. Little yeah. did I know that there's no real, you know, there's nothing. You, like I was so I was young. I was 24, 25 years old. I think 25 when I had when we had my son. You know, I didn't really know. You know, I it was and he was my first son, so it's not like I had uh, my first kid. So it wasn't like I had anything to go off of. I didn't know that my son was supposed to be babbling at like 18 months, or even what babbling sounded like. Right. And we went we went to the doctor and is he babbling? Yeah, I think he is. He's uh, he's saying a couple like doing a couple things like, OK, check the box. Uh, was from what you remember and not at the like, there's no premise of bad parenting here on your part or your parents part. My question is just was your dad very present in your childhood, like the early childhood part? You know, uh, my dad worked a lot, um, but I, I, I remember him being around. I, I had, a, a, honestly, I had a great childhood. Like, you know, my dad was kind of verbally abusive at times uh, when I got a little bit older, especially. Um, you know, I was a smart ass. Uh, I'm the oldest. I'm, I'm a rebel. Um, you know, I pushed the limits and I thought that the world was ending and my dad was a dictator and, you know, I grew up in middle-class America, you know, I, I never had to, I never had to have a job. I chose to have a job. I never had to have a job. I didn't have to work to keep my family afloat or anything, you know? So, um, my dad was a, was a, a great dad looking back at it. You know, and I and I even apologized to my dad. Uh, I don't know, probably five years ago now, but maybe even longer. But I was like, Dad, like, I'm sorry. Like, I was a monster. Like, and it was mostly like my adolescent and teenage years. I was just like out of control. And like, no wonder why you acted like he treated me the way he did. Some Like, I just I got it. You know, and I try to use that in my own relationship with my children. And, you know, I, I, I do my best. I, I, I you know, I, I do my best. <laughs> no, I feel like that's beautiful that you said that. you. I did the same thing, actually. And uh, well, I, I feel it felt like it was important. Like, I, I truly felt guilt and sorry that I and my dad literally laughed. He was like, I know. And Joy, I, I think, I, I truly believe this, is watching me suffer the way he did as a parent. Like, he gets my situation, and he's very sympathetic to, 
and empathetic to what I have going on. But, you know, just because my kid has autism doesn't mean he's also not a regular kid, you know, and he does stuff that every other regular kid does. And it pisses me off. And my dad just sits there and laughs and gives them more candy and ice cream. Right. Like, <laughs> Like, cause that's what grandparents do. They get to be the good guy. They don't have to be the bad guy anymore, you know? So it's like, I, my dad's just loving it you know? for him. You know, my dad's 70. He's seen, you know, three, almost four grandkids at this point. He had a horrible childhood growing up. Like he got beat by four different stepfathers and his father, like, like severely. And like, he was pulled, like just the whole gambit. So like, you know, okay, my dad so, has set us up. Like, my dad was that figure in his family that broke the mold. Dude, that's... Okay, so this is perfect. So now... Sorry for saying this is perfect. When you said your dad got beaten. I don't mean that's perfect. But... Well, it's all the way it's supposed to be. I, I Yes, but I time things like a... I guess idiot in the idiot mystic gets fulfilled every few minutes. So that's... Yeah, cool. well, but, yeah, uh, you, you've got yourself covered. That's your disclaimer. Yes, Uh I'm really glad, honestly. I was, I'm so glad it's not a name that makes me sound like, I don't know, like something fancy. But anyway, so my question, the reason I asked about your dad was, so you didn't encounter God or this, you know, that other side of yourself till you did psychedelics, but you had a good childhood, but yet somehow you ended up being a, a well-trained, and I'm saying well-trained because... Obviously, there's an element of uh, destiny to surviving, depending on what you believe in, surviving wars. But also, you weren't like completely physically incapable of fighting a war. So you did this war fighting. I'm saying it in this silly way, but anyway, you come back. Now there's trauma. And you obviously had your friend pass on in in front of you. So, But you're also married, and you also have a have a child so how were you feeling at the time right before you did psychedelics like were you at a good place or were no, you no i was miserable to... for 10 years from 2010 to 20 okay <laughs> like but... literally i can tell you from that time it was depression anxiety uh self-loathing i just oh. was not in a good place okay so then let's bring up your so these 10 years, instead of just cutting to the good part, unless you have to go, which I understand. Well, um, if my phone does die, then that is what happened. Just so okay. you're aware. So we can finish it up another time if that happens. But Okay. But I'm just, you know, just preparing you ahead of time. How, how close are we to death? Like, phone I've got the red bars. I've got the red bar. So. You, okay. You can. I've I got think... 14%. Okay we're we're good we're gonna be able to finish this my question is during these 10 years of depression and misery you were also were you married for some of these years for the entire time yeah so then your wife loved you enough to deal with your the darkest part of you yeah she's the strongest person i know that's for sure so shout out to your wife yeah I don't big know shout name. out amanda but, yes amanda yeah. shout out uh so you're at this horrible spot and then what happens in 2020 that makes you suddenly do psilocybin containing mushrooms 
So I started by microdosing, um, and I kind of felt a little different, I guess. Um, you know, so I had done, I've, I had had a couple different uh, antidepressants, prescription drugs back in the military. I hated it. I hated the way it made me feel. It didn't make me feel better. I was done with it. That was my only experience. I swore off uh, pharmaceuticals uh, from that point on. So I haven't done any pharmaceuticals, you know, since then. Um, so I didn't really know what else to do. I felt like I had really tried everything, breathing exercise, just everything you can even possibly um, So... I ended up microdosing. Um, I, I'm not really familiar with the, I, I wasn't familiar with and how to procure things and all these logistical issues. So it, it became a, it became very difficult, especially even just two years ago, it was a very taboo subject to talk about. And as an outsider trying to get inside, it proved to be very difficult. I guess I a, an air of, I don't know if it's authority or I look like a cop or what it is, but people just don't want to give me drugs. I know people, I have friends who just give, are given free drugs, right? That does not happen to this guy, right? Like... And it happened to me, right? And so in this case, we're referring to mushrooms as drugs, which I wasn't even. Not. I wouldn't even. Yes, I'm classifying yeah. it. But to be fair, you know, everything's a drug. So mm-hmm. I would just say you go back to the ancient root word, and it's pharmacon, right? It just it means drug. It means and it actually includes herbs as well. Right? It includes plants. So coffee, like it's all drugs. So I would rather use the word drugs and more acceptable, right? But it doesn't matter. But anyway, so I decided I I finally got some mushrooms and I microdosed, barely felt anything, although I did feel a little bit better, my mood, um, which is a big deal. So I decided to push it a little further. Um, and I ended up doing, you know, a medium grams of mushrooms and that, that is what gave me visuals for the first time. And so mind you, I don't know how much you've actually done, but apparently, so I have gut issues, a lot of gut issues. Um, so I had surgery on my stomach. I was in the army and a couple other things. They, I had a cyst on my esophagus and jeez, you know, I've so, had that. So dude. whatever, yeah. So it was like very painful. I was like throwing up blood and just, all, just, just, yeah. Sorry, I have to ask because I hadn't, I didn't have an esophageal cyst. I had an esophageal ulcer, I guess, but I think it's similar. Yeah, but yeah. But how did you get yours? I'm not really sure how I got it. I just me decided do surgery on me me. (laughs) like that's that's basically they said you know you can do i I had prostatic nissen and they essentially like tied my esophagus or i think they tied my stomach around my esophagus so essentially like made my stomach half the size 
you know, so, um, so it's hard to eat <coughs> Excuse me. and stuff. So bless. But, um, so I, I, so mushrooms hurt my stomach. So I get like a lot of gastrointestinal issues on psychedelics, which are, which is very common. Um, but that's also my biggest fear. Like my, literally my biggest fear is like choking. I told you, like when I was, you know, came out of the womb, right? I was choking. I was uh, asphyxiated, right? Um, my biggest fear is like choking, throwing up. Actually, I hate, I hate throwing up. It's literally my biggest fear. I want to do ayahuasca one day, but like the entire process is just terrifying. That's like my Mount Everest, right? If I can do ayahuasca, that's like the pinnacle of my experience. So, but I dabbled with mushrooms for a little bit. Um, but I found that I need a lot of mushrooms to get to like blast off to space. Like I need but, double what a, an, a nor like, so if like half a gram is a micro dose in order to feel what somebody feels at half a gram that like uplifted mood and, you know, less anxiety and stuff. Like I need one or one and a half grams for whatever reason, my gastrointestinal system is just like that. No, you know, it's, Okay, but before before we freak people out with talking about grams, let's just say you so you're taking these micro doses and you're having an improvement in your mood for the first time in 10 years. Then you push it further and you do three grams and you have visuals. But what do you see or does it drive you to believe in God or make so you feel at, better about at, life? Yeah, at three grams. I started to feel something which I had not felt ever before. Like I, like I didn't know what it was. I felt that connection that I kind of felt when I was standing at Ham's house in Iraq. Right. Like I felt this, this kind of like, kind of like, you know, when you get like the hairs on your arms stand up, you know, your nipples get hard. You're like, Oh man, like you get the chills, you get shivers, you have no idea what happened. Like it's warm outside. Like, you, you don't know, like, but that's how I felt. I was like, I felt this connection, you know, I was not hallucinating. There were no, there was no craziness, although I was seeing some visuals, like, you know, things moving, you know, type of thing. But like, other than that, it wasn't, there was no craziness. Um, so that was kind of like the first time I kind of felt it. But then I had actually done, um, I, I basically had like a ceremony uh, with a friend, um, former guest that we've been talking about all along. We, we basically went through this, I don't know, initiation right together, just the two of us at my house. You know, we had a giant, I have five acres of land out in, you know, basically Amish territory. Um, you know, there's more horse and buggies than there are cars out here. Um, so we were just sitting around the fire. We made a mushroom tea and I, man, I don't even know. It must've been like seven. Uh, we did a lot each, right? Like we, we did, we were blasting off and we each had our own separate experiences. And I definitely can't speak for his experience, but I know that I finally felt that connection. And I just remember looking up at the stars and it like looked like a dome and it just looked like straight up fake. I was like, this can't be real. Like, this is like, it felt like a simulation type of thing. Um, it was a really meaningful experience, but I didn't really meet 
the divine. Like I kind of felt its presence. Like now I recognize it as that, but like, it's very clear that there's a threshold, a barrier you have to break through. Right. And I'm not sure if that's the ego, like ju just the ego that you have to kind of break through. And I'm not talking like ego death kind of thing where you don't like identify as yourself anymore. Although that happens and is totally possible. And I felt, and I have had that. Right. But like, there's kind of this threshold where you have to kind of break through all your assumptions and everything that you kind of think you know you know like you wake up in the morning and you don't think like is the floor when you wake up like you just kind of know that the floor is going to be there that is real right like you you know that but like at a certain point when you take psychedelics you kind of realize that like you break through that assumption that the floor is real. And I get that that's going to make sound like total gibberish to a lot of people, but you know, uh, I broke through that barrier and I had actually procured, uh, some LSD and, uh, basically did that. And, that mixed with the psilocybin threw me uh like over just over the edge and I, I i there was no like i so it's weird i don't get visuals like i don't see things and actually i'm finding that the more psychedelics i do the worse my eyesight is getting so kind of like kind of like the a, a concept in magic where like you kind of have, have to pay a price to use the magic, um, which is like where blood rituals and all sorts of other stuff come from. But like, I don't know, for me, that's kind of true. I feel like for kind of my experiences and my senses are kind of heightened on one end of the spectrum. The price is that my sight I like that's the price is I, I have to pay for it with my sight. And since I started doing psychedelics, I've actually had to get two different pairs of glasses, which I've okay. had, 20, I had 2015 vision before. So that's fascinating. Yeah. So like, you know, like yeah, there is a price and, you know, people have to know that going into this, you know, if you're schizophrenic, you know, don't be doing psychedelics. Um, but, the, but, you know, but, you know, every, right to their own reality you know like i want my reality back you know i i miss the wonder of being a kid you know like i i i, I can take some mushrooms or take some lsd and sit outside and just feel and wonder again like just look at a blade of grass and truly like and feel like that is the first time I'm seeing this blade of grass. And like, that sounds weird and it sounds childish, but like, I miss being a child. No, like, I, I, I miss before being traumatized by dead bodies and life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to sit outside and play with caterpillars and ladybugs and lay in the grass. I laid in the grass and looked at the clouds, you know, like no, what, a, dude, I... what a cool experience to have as a 36 year old adult, you know, like, no, I fully, I fully agree. And I feel like people who 
I'm saying this because I want to put it there, like almost like a note as though this is like a textbook or something. But if say someone is like from an older generation where these things that we're talking about have been villainized, I feel like you talking about enjoying nature to them, they're, they're wondering why you couldn't in the first place. And I feel like if someone can't understand the state of not being able to be childlike right now in 2022, I feel like they're lying almost because society is so tense and so structured that I don't see many adults being childlike, yet I see them yearning and that <coughs> yearning expresses itself. Oh, no, you're, are, you, are you smoking the reefer? No, that was a legit cough. Okay, fair. Do you have COVID? Yeah. I do not. I'm going to tell Biden. Oh no! I and actually, knock that. on Damn wood, it. knock on wood, I might be one of the only people in the entire country who has never had COVID. So I have not had COVID before. Stop showing off, dude. So just throwing stop. that out there. Stop. I'm pretty stop sure. Being so cool. Pretty stop sure. Being... Can, pretty sure cannabis is the cure to COVID. You're like, hey, so. I, I don't get COVID and I have a wife. I'm like, <laughs> okay, bro, stop. Like, okay. Dude, uh, <laughs> so having a wife is awesome or a spouse and a significant other. I'm not going to deny that. And I advocate for children to be raised by two parents who are in a household together. I don't care who your parents are, preferably male and female, just because they, I think children need both influences equally. Not because one is better, not because you know heterosexual relationships are better. If you have a grandpa and your mom... That's awesome. If your grandpa's in the house and your mom along with another mom, that's cool. As long as we have a male influence this, and a female. Dude, right? that is... It's necessary. Yes, you said it in such a controlled way, though. Like, I'm so glad you were able to deliver this because a lot of people can't say that a child needs both influences, but also accept that they can have two parents of the same gender. And I feel like that's such a... It's so nice to hear like someone who has who's associated with institutions, even if from the past that otherwise people are like, oh, a military guy saying that a child needs a male and female influence. But then if they listen to what you said, they can figure out a way to incorporate that energy, even if it's honestly, even if it's a single parent incorporating the dual energy somehow like making the balance occur. However, totally. I feel like... But that's, that's important with everything. So like me and my wife, we homeschool our kids, right? So what's the biggest issue with homeschooled kids? I love homeschool kids. A lot of Fair my friends enough, are but, but what so are a lot of, what are, what's the biggest criticism with homeschooling, homeschooling or homeschooled uh, kids, do you know? They don't, they're not well socialized. Exactly. Socialization. So what, what is your job as a parent when you homeschool your kid? Part one of your jobs to socialize your kid, right? That falls on okay. you because you're not sending your kid to school, right? So if you don't have a male influence in the house or a female influence in the house, what is your job as a parent Yeah, just to, to give them the that, that influence, to get them that as positive of an influence as you can get. A, I mean, honestly, a bad influence might be better than no influence. And I don't know if that's true, but I mean, maybe, 
maybe we're looking i mean we can go in any direction with that but i i'm 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 totally totally okay with all sorts of alternative lifestyles like i i don't care how anybody lives their life i truly don't as long as you're not hurting yourself or you know anybody else you know right but like i'm not i'm not i'm not that rigid and in anything yeah i you know i'm pretty i'm pretty open it's just, it's nice that I'm having more people who are talking about God and their souls and healing and then also talking about accepting because I feel like it's almost like spirituality is reserved for either, it's just like this, there's a very strong guard. Like I was looking at the, because of course I'm coming from sports, I was looking at the other podcasts in my category. And I looked at all of the top ones and ethnically and subject wise, all the top spiritual podcasts were very similar. And then the guests appearing on them were similar. And then I started noticing that it's just strange that if we can, if we can accept that there is, there's divine intention and everything in the way the universe is and in the poop on the bottom of our shoes and our gas, our, I have like horrible digestive issues caused by opioid abuse, prescription opioid abuse, I would like to add, but um, because the doctors were idiots, but moving along, I just feel like everything is divine. So when we accept people, it's not like, I'm not saying you were saying you don't care about them. I was saying that I can tell that we don't just not care what someone does, but we understand that all actions are unfortunately from the same place. So the worst things that our kids can do, which we have boys, so we know what at least biological males are capable of, the evil atrocities that they can do. Um, Evil atrocities. There are no good atrocities. Never mind. Um, (laughs) But we still have to accept that they can the the same child can also do the best things and be like a protector and a and a lover and doesn't have to be any of those bad things so i feel like it's strange when i don't know it's just good that i've been able to talk about accepting people with so many different people and then also discuss god existing because or not even god existing but like some type of divine purpose or peace that we can access because a lot of people who live who are uh not like i don't even know what the right word is because i could say lgbtq plus but then i i leave someone out but just everyone who loves anyone should not feel like their life is in danger like that is scary like if someone likes someone or something or is it like, or not something that sounds weird. There are no aliens. Maybe there are on earth, <laughs> but I'm saying if someone loves someone, regardless of anyone's feelings about it, the fact that humans can be threatened with death is like, I don't enjoy living in that environment at all. I mean, but to be fair, that's, that's nature. You know, we are, we are animals, you know, like if we were in the animal kingdom, which we are right. But if we actually abided by the rules of the animal kingdom, we would be in fear all the time, right? If we didn't have these massive 
you know, uh, steel jungles, these cities, these, these massive homes. Like I only have an 864 square foot house. Like I have a small house, but it protects me, you know, animals stay away. They know that my five acres, there's a deer trail that goes through my, my yard, but I rarely see deer like in my own yard. Like I do like everybody else who's in a suburb or whatever, but like, yeah, it's, it's more out here, but I also, you know, I, I, I think that I, 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 I think that fear is natural. I think yeah, that I guess. fear is a good thing, but I think that when fear is exploited, it's a bad thing. Right. Yeah, I think like, that natural fear gets you going. It motivates you. Like why, why else do you want to live? <laughs> like why else would you want to live? You know, in order to appreciate the sunshine, you have to you have to see the rain, you know, it's that true. type of thing. You know, I, I would never want to be in a world where I wasn't afraid of anything. I think I I do understand that. And I, like, no, I feel like your phone's battery is getting really low, so I'm going to speed up. But I just I'm noticing that even even though I'm a brown guy in America, I feel like I still have, I enjoy more security in a assumed way than some of my friends who are like, I'll say it again, LGBTQ plus any, any gender, any different type of person. I feel like they're like, there's more bias against them. And I, I just feel like, people like you or me who are like conventionally and I hate to say this conventionally masculine are able to like speak and like be like yeah we're like millennials on the verge of being boomers but like everyone's cool and the same divine universe that you can access through I guess not divine universe but divine thingy that you can access through meditation prayer psilocybin um, LSD, and I just wanted to say that even though people call LSD acid colloquially, it is derived from ergot, correct? Correct, oh, yeah. Okay, sweet. Just making sure. But I feel like that, like God, even though we talked about Judaism, we talked about a lot of Abrahamic religions, we did talk about Buddhism as well, Hinduism, but I guess my point was that we didn't get to your whole story today, not even half of it, not even a quarter, but I think the God or the thing that we're talking about is inclusive of everyone. 100%. And that's actually basically the perfect ending, to be honest with you. And that's kind of the moral of my psychedelic trip is I kind of, I, I, I ended up being on a mountaintop. Right. And I, not a physical mountaintop, but I felt like I was on a mountaintop where like I could see out and see the world and like literally all around the bottom of the mountain is all what I interpreted as all the world's religions. Right. And they all take a different path up the mountain. But like what's at the top of the mountain is the same mountain. Right. It's the same thing. You know, everybody just kind of has to skip on this rock or you have to skip a foothold because of a loose rock and go a different way and whatever. Everybody's looking for the same thing. And, you know, I think it's just love and you need self-love before you can love anybody else. You know, you have to love yourself before you can help others. And I recently have discovered how to love myself 
you know, within the last few years and have my transition has led me to a path of service is the long story short, you know, and we can expand hopefully another time, but yes. that's pretty and much where I am now, you know, no, trying to like... help people get better in whatever little capacity I can, even if it's just, you know, talking on a podcast, you know, no, dude, it's not, I feel like, uh, how I like how we cross reference episodes. Like this is like a big thing, but I feel like this is just like our little, like micro universe that we've created, but it's like a cinematic universe without any movies. But when Dr. It's like, it's our mystic round table. Yes. We should have an episode with everyone on it. Yes. Let's do it. I'm down. That would be so good. Okay, but what I was just thinking was Dr. Friesen's book is called How This Doctor Became a Healer. And I feel like your journey is about how a soldier became. And I I don't know what you are right now, so I'm not going to say any nouns. But is there something you feel like right now more than a soldier? Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I, I've committed to a path of service you know so i'm a servant is kind of how i see myself you and know? who do you serve if you had to say if you had to identify on this podcast and being called out in front of the entire cosmos the traumatized okay and in any capacity you know and i i truly believe that it's psychedelics that are kind of that that bridge not that they're the cure to everything or a cure at all or whatever but i think that a big thing that modern everything modern lacks is everything ancient you know we kind of said hey we're better than everybody who came before us so let's just forget about it and come up with our own models and our own systems where you know things weren't broke but people decided to fix it you know and it kind of started with the vatican and worked its way up and out and all this other stuff and you know more discussions for more days but you know here we are and we have no rite of passage we have no mystery schools we have no no psychedelics and connection to the divine but you have to go through some religious mediary and it just makes no sense. Like I've tried everything and I've tried really hard, you know, like I, I prayed three times a day toward Mecca, you know, like, you know, I've done yoga. I still do yoga, you know, um, you know, I, I do, I, you know, whatever, you know, but like, it's all connected. I, it's what you, it's what your brain decides to connect and the symbolism your brain uses it's the language of your brain and psychedelics kind of rewire it and do all this cool other stuff which allows you to be more open and more empathetic and more a lot of other things so and i discovered that and it kind of opened up a whole new world like i was a kid again so and i get these weird flashes these weird visions you know and it's amazing like it's like a, a an extra sense you know where i can kind of see like i so I get these extra like kind of where like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Wanted where like they kind of you know you can see the bullet bend kind of thing like I feel like time is kind of like that where there's kind of you know where you kind of like get lost in a song or you're doing something and time flies by well like 
I feel like that thing, little things like that can actually be manipulated, you know, and a lot of it happens in our brain and a lot of stuff. So I've kind of been experienced, been able to kind of like, sounds weird, you know, but like bend time a little bit. Um, so yeah, with meditation and psychedelics and all sorts of stuff. No, so I'm excited think... for another podcast, man. We have yes. like some ways we can go with this yes this is perfect and i'm i don't think we started a new religion yet though no not not this time but i am i just feel like it's a blessing for me to have met you because again your openness to share your just the the details like the mechanics of healing from like being a tough guy is kind of it's nice to hear but outside of that blessing it's like nice for me to hear even though obviously i don't know your kids yet or your wife i'm happy to hear that after those 10 years of pain there's not just light at the end of the tunnel but you sound like this is the happiest you've ever been it's totally the happiest i've ever been not that there weren't happy moments like a lot of happy moments in those 10 they're totally of course but you know i I certainly remember traumatizing time in my life yeah and i feel like this is it's just i don't know it's a testament to like i don't know the story isn't always like everything isn't a children's show some of our stories are a little grim and they're a little brutal but they can almost all of them can have happy endings yeah 100 percent. i mean it's it's finding the silver lining in life you know, life is suffering and life is hard. Like if you, if you're alive, you're going to die. You know, if you don't eat, you're going to go hungry and die. If you don't drink, you're going to, you're going to be you know, gentle, be gentle, Joshua. Why are you? I'm, I, I'm just saying, you know, like <laughs> life is hard, but you have to find the little joys in life. Like looking at a blade of grass, even when you're not on psychedelics you know, or looking at the clouds, having spent time with your children you know? like it, it's hard when you're depressed all the time you know if if you can do it without psychedelics like i bless you like you 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 are truly blessed and hopefully realized how blessed you are but i was one of those people who i didn't really even i don't think i knew what love was like i had a wife i had a kid i didn't I, I didn't like I, I how do you know how to love if you don't know how to love yourself? Like, how do you know what that is? If you don't know how to do something, how do you do it? And then I finally, you know, dropped it and was like, oh, that's love. Oh, well, this is nice. I like this. Oh, it's OK to be you. It's OK to be who I am. Oh, it's OK to just dance. Like, I, I never danced before not cool right like i love to dance now i'll just bust out bust a move guy biting his lip i've got no moves right you know like i'm comfortable with myself now i'm not out to impress anybody you know so it's we're we're gonna have to take dance classes together let's do it let's salsa very specific choice and almost like you had it thought out but okay i'm i i want a salsa i've always wanted to salsa <laughs> well well i just want zona to visit you man i know salsa classes down there or something yeah we should 
Or we could do like, what about hula? Is that a dance? I thought that was yeah. No, like All Hawaiian, right. like hula dancing. It's a thing. Oh, I was thinking hoop. Oh no! Is, is that what it's called? The hula? All right. I guess can so. I I never thought about hula hoops being called hula hoops, but uh, anyway, this was amazing. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. We get to do it again. Yes, we will. Just stay alive. You're out in the wilderness. Absolutely. I got to get ready for bed now. I got work in their chupacabras about. Ooh. All right. Well, now, now I'm going inside. I'm, I'm pressing the red X. Or it's a white X. Talk to you later, X. man.